this guy called Yezenzo Kagaz, who is described as being as large as four Ilrios. Whoa. Whoa. Brienne, three times killed, <laughs> turns up and says she's found the Stark girl. What's going on, Dave? What is going on, Matt? She, I already thought she's been dead three times. The hound's been dead at least twice. I've already had not one, but two decoy Stark daughters. Fucking hell. Just, why? Why have you, George, why have you done this? Hello and welcome to part 10 of Shark Liver Oil's coverage of a dance with dragons. Part 10. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. We've come a long way, Dave. We have. And as I understand it, we've got a fair distance still to go. Yeah, we do, yeah. A long way still to go. So, uh, if you're uh, reading along with us this week, we are reading from a chapter about Tyrion, which begins, I think, lot 97. I think it was that. Uh, And we're reading as far as a chapter about John, which begins, he was not a tall man. So that's as far as we're going this week. And let me tell you, Dave, and you've already read oh. it, so let me tell you, though, <laughs> there are some there are some good chapters coming up. You astonish me. Yeah. Well, no, you, you don't. I've read them. <laughs> so, uh, Tyrion, Lot 97. It turns out this is, this is he, because um, they've taken... Well, when we were last with Tyrion, he was on a ship, wasn't he? Bound for, I think marine, and then it got a, mm. uh, it got sort of shipwrecked, and then they got picked up by these slavers, and it, it looks like Tyrion and Penny are the only ones who are actually gonna, oh, along with Jorah, are actually gonna end up getting sold because everyone else kind of had, kind of slave insurance, sort of, <laughs> which is a bit weird, but like the soldiers are getting like actually literally took out insurance, which meant that the company bought them back. And yeah. uh, the the red priests are all obviously going to get bought back by the uh, by the by the red god temples and stuff, and that yeah. just leaves the dwarves. It it's hard not to see this as a system that incentivizes slaving, though, isn't it? Because you either take control of another human being, massively denigrate their humanity, and sell them, or you take control of another human being and somebody else pays you not to sell them. Yeah, it's it's. Flipping scam, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, one of said slavers, who is particularly interested in getting Tyrion and Penny and adding to his collection, is this guy called Yezenzo Kagaz, um, who is described as being as as large as four Ilrios. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa now. Illyrio, not himself, a svelte personality. Yeah, I'm so, pretty sure at some point Ilrio's been described as a whale. <laughs> so he's the size of four whales. Exactly. This is a this is a full on Jabba the Hutt situation, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, he's basically he's basically massive. He's basically fat, um, but like on a gargantuan level. <laughs> yeah, this, now, this chat. is one of the areas where I feel like we missed out a bit in the TV series because. We never got to see this kind of man-jabber type. 
presence, who's described as being a sort of lemon yellow colour as well, isn't he? I just had this image of a guy yeah. suffering really, really badly with, like, jaundice and the most spectacular obesity you have <laughs> ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he wants a war, just to distract him from, from that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I need to lose weight, and if putting myself in a situation where there is literally no food is the only way to do that, then I'll start a war. <laughs> uh, now, he gets involved in a bidding war with uh, this cell sword who kind of looks like he recognises Tyrion, so thinks, oh, he's going to sell me back to, to the Queen. And this massive, fat, youngishman manages to win. Tyrion actually does his best to like up the bidding even further, which is quite funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I loved his approach to that. I think it was a great Tyrion moment, this, where he's like, sort of, I'm getting sold. This is really bad. I'm getting sold for money. It's not nearly enough fucking money. <laughs> right, let's turn this shit on its head right away. Yeah. And, and he also thinks he's got more of a chance of escape um, if he's travelling along the long roads towards King's Landing with the sellsword. But mm. despite his best efforts, he doesn't manage it. They both get picked up by this... Um, by this fat young Kishman. And then Tyrion, he doesn't really understand why he does it himself, but he, he gets uh, he gets the uh, the guy, this this sort of slave owner's sort of foreman, to bid for uh, Jorah as well, saying that he's part of the act. <laughs> How do you imagine that's going to go down with Jorah when he finds out he's been bought? Joe, <laughs> oh, you got me out. Thanks. Yeah, no, good. Good to have somebody else around that, you know, I... I I guess I kind of like, but yeah, thanks, thanks. What's that? I've got to act like a bear. I've got to dress up like a bear and fight with some dwarves, pigs, and dogs. Um, can I go back? Can I? Can I, is there a return policy on me? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's. I mean, just to give you an idea of where they are now as well, they're just outside the walls of Marine, so they have ended up at Marine. Um, but with the attacking army, so the siege is set up. They've got these lines of massive trebuchets all ready to go. Um, there's there's evidence of the bloody flux in camp, and mm. um, yeah, it looks like a pretty dangerous army. Tyrion. One of the things Tyrion sees as he's wandering past, um, sort of on his way to the, his new home, is uh, slingers practicing on a few sort of captured slaves who tried oh. to escape, and he sees just how. Um, dangerous slingers. If you don't know what they are, they're people. They're what, the ones who basically, well, as it sounds, they have a sling and you stick a stone in it and you sort of whiz it around your head and then fire it yeah. off. It's like a like an ancient version of a like a archery, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I mean, sling, it's a David and Goliath thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's supposed to be how David took Goliath out. But I like I like George. George finds a way to put his own particular grotesque spin on the thing, where he's like, so they use soft lead. And what it looks like when that hits somebody's knee is exactly what you would think. <laughs> and it's just, it's essentially they've invented a way of using bullets without having gunpowder. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, it's gruesome. But there's so much in this whole section that's pretty gruesome, isn't it? It's this like whistle-stop tour through a war zone, basically. Slash refugee yeah. camp, slash siege encampment. Yeah. Um, and so this guy, Yezan, um, appears to be a collector of... Um, of people with deformities. Um, so he goes into this tent, Durian, and he meets quite the crew. There's a, a boy with goat legs, there's a two-headed girl, there's a bearded lady, who, who that's quite vanilla for the rest of them. Yeah, I was going to say that. 
It's not often you get a list of a list of circus performers where the bearded lady is a little bit middle of the road. <laughs> and there's this hermaphrodite, basically a guy with both sets of genitals, so a guy stroke girl, um, called Sweets, which is a cracking name. <laughs> oh, do you think he lies awake at night thinking up these these just just suggestive <laughs> enough to be kind of disquieting? <laughs> names for like satin as well and yeah. and, and sweets and it's sweets. just a bit <laughs> and uh they, they're sort of the foreman the master um who's employed by um by the big the big cheese as we'll call him is um <laughs> <laughs> he's called nurse so he's like uh, i'll be good to you if you uh obey me and all this he's oh, a classic God. sort of He's a classic that character, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's Nurse Ratched basically is what he's drawn on there, isn't it? The sort of or um, Misery by Stephen King. Yeah, that's all like I'll be nice to you, but only if you do precisely what I tell you to do. <laughs> so they have this big uh, this feast to celebrate. Not a lot. Um, the the sellsword turns up. It turns out the sellsword is Brown Ben Plum, the guy who deserted from. Uh, or switch sides from Daenerys. Yeah. And uh, he Tyrion plays... Well, A, Tyrion and Penny do a decent show um, in front mm. of Maul, and then Tyrion plays uh, Sivas against um, Brian Ben and beats him. And for all that, he, he you know, he, he gets a lot of thanks and sort of, uh, yeah, you've done really well, and you'll get to joust in the Great Pit in Marine once we get in there. <laughs> Bravo! Bravo! Well done indeed. Yes, what a happy outcome for somebody. Probably yeah. not you. <laughs> yeah, it's the Premier League for for uh, for, for Tyrion and Penny. So you know, yeah. It, but they're not a Premier League team, are they? No. That's like that's like kind of deciding as a reward for some truly truly plucky one-upmanship put in. Bromsgrove Sporting or Redditch United into the Premier League and just being like, that'll be good for you lads, won't it? Well, oh, r- run yourselves to a bloody shadow, have you? Oh, oh, that's a shame. Anyway. Oh, and, by, and by the way, the losers get executed at the end. Yeah, that's it as well, isn't it? <laughs> Congratulations. Your life is now on the line. What a place for a life to be. <laughs> uh, so we move on to the next chapter. This is Jamie. Jamie. Oh, d- <laughs> We we need a term for this, don't we? Where where George brings back a character after more than a thousand pages of other plot happening to other people, and the feeling you have isn't, oh Jamie, I wonder what's going on with him now. It's fucking hell, Jamie. What happened to him before? Hang on, <laughs> let me tell you, reading on a Kindle is not the time to have that experience. It's very good because the book's very thick and the Kindle's very small. But at that point, you're like, I can't riffle through the pages on these things. I've just got to go and search for the last time anybody said Jamie and then try and work out what's happening from that. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for, you see. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, that, that's what you're here for, Matt. I, th- I think I'm here solidly to represent for ignorance and bewilderment at this point. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, when we last left Jamie, he was wa- basically wandering the Riverlands trying to finish off this war which are the last little sort of dregs of it are carrying on. So you have the odd the odd sort of uh, castle or keep um, or town at the most, which is still holding out. Uh, his big victory, of course, was finishing the siege at Riverham, um, mm. basically by blackmailing Edmure. And now he's arrived at Raventree, 
and this is um, an old town uh, with the last. It's the last sort of town in um, or city in uh, in the Riverlands that's still holding out against the crown. Uh, it's called Raventree, and it, it's all sort of it's all tangled up in this long-running feud between two families in this area. So you've got Raventree, which is owned by the Blackwoods, who are still loyal to Rob, and it's being besieged by the Brackens, who were loyal to Rob and have obviously fallen in line with the rest of them. Yeah. And they these two houses hate each other. <laughs> like, really hate each other. And have hated each other for, like, tens of thousands of years as well. It's It's a proper, proper sort of like neighborhood feud between two families nobody else cares about it's yeah. it's two people who've lived side by side for generations and despise one another and everybody else is like why can't you just you know just get over it yeah it feels like a place like a little part of the world where like the the rest of the world's moved on and it's a little bit of a throwback or a backwater here as well and yeah. i like how he, he he's he gives that impression one of the ways he does george martin is by describing raventree and it's this this castle with square towers, yeah, uh, rather than round ones. And this is a nice echo of sort of what happened in real life, which is that someone eventually worked out that it's like catapult rocks and stuff. It's much harder to knock down a round tower because it deflects stones more easily, whereas your yeah. square ones might look impressive, but in terms of engineering they they don't stand up as well and this raven trees still got the old the old fashioned square towers yeah um, which is quite interesting uh lord jonos the top guy in the bracken family is currently abed with a mistress so um we get to sort of he doesn't he get doesn't get the most the sort of the grandest entrance does he in the world Jamie comes across him in the middle of it. <laughs> Eloquently put, Matt. Well done. Well done indeed. There, nice one. Yeah. So like, it was yeah, it was a good re- reintroduction to Jamie. This isn't it, where he's just sort of like, where is he? He's in his bedroom. Is he right? I'll be opening that door without knocking for fucking certain. <laughs> oh, we, shagging? Were you? I think not very much. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first thing he's got to do is just negotiate sort of terms. Uh, Basically, the, um, the 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 Brackens have been promised all these all these lands if they can bring their enemies to heel here, and sort of so John Lord Jonas is saying, "Oh, I'm supposed to get all this land," and Jamie's saying, "Well, yeah, we were going to give you all that if you managed to take the castle, and you haven't. You've just surrounded it, so you've done half a job. So you're going to get half of your uh, <laughs> what you want." <laughs> Yeah, it, there was something a little bit. It was I, I found it quite interesting to kind of see this all of the negotiations that take place in this chapter. As it, they felt a bit more normal to me than the kind of massive high stakes, you know, the, the the fate of the world and of my family hinges on this sort of thing. It's far more. Jamie turns up and he's like, "Right, what have you done for me?" And he goes, "Everything." And he goes, "Well, I'm seeing half of it done." He goes, "Yeah, all right, I did half of it." <laughs> I'll take half my reward. That's fine. Instead of being like, no, never, <laughs> drawing his sword and getting into the same ridiculous bloody carnage as everybody else has been minded to recently. There's just something quite entertaining about this guy just being like, yeah, no, it was worth a go. <laughs> yeah, just, 
the, the sort of the long-running feud aside, everyone does seem relatively reasonable here, don't they? Because so, yeah. Jamie goes up to the castle, he's, he's allowed to go in and sit and sort of talk at a table rather than having to shout terms at each other. And, you know, Blackwood's saying, that's uh, Bra- uh, Titus Bracken saying, look, yeah, I know the game's up, I'll surrender to the king, but I'm not going to surrender to that prick outside, so I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> He tells this story of how the uh, the the Blackwoods poisoned his heart tree like hundreds of years ago, so it doesn't grow anymore. He's like, yeah, that's another thing they did like centuries ago. So, not literally centuries ago, though. I mean, this is this is beginning to get into the situation, isn't it? Where like you know the sort of depth of hatred that a certain kind of English person, particularly in the southeast, feels towards the French. Yeah, based on wars and battles and betrayals that occurred almost a millennium ago. You're yeah, like, mm, time to move on, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and the um, when they're negotiating terms here, he's saying, "Oh, what he's got to give up? He's got to give up a mill, which is really valuable." He's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll give you one of them. I'll give him one of them." Um, and they're saying, "What else? What other lands does he want?" He looks at, it, "Oh, yeah, well, I'm not, he's kind of all that." And then he says at the end, oh, give him the, give him the hives where they get the honey from. And he says, hopefully he'll rot his teeth on them. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to find a way. Always got to find a way to get the one-upmanship. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Have, have the hives of poisoned honey. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, poisoned with too much sweet sugar. Huh? But the upper All hand right. is mine. <laughs> Imagine him like with his family behind him, because they're poisoned with too much delicious sugar, which he'll somehow hate because they'll rot his teeth. <laughs> Guys, am I right? Everyone <laughs> <laughs> just standing there. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, Dad! Just let it go. Let it go. <laughs> High five. No, Dad. <laughs> no. Put it down, Dad. It's not happening. All right. <laughs> Except when we've lost. <laughs> he does as well, doesn't he? I like Jamie walks into the into the courtyard and the guy comes out like tall, thin, skinny on a horse, tall, thin, skinny, and just basically goes, Yeah, alright. <laughs> yeah. The least dramatic end to a siege ever seen. Yeah, in the end they uh they they do come to terms and the end the Jamie ends up taking a hostage from each of the two houses as well to keep their loyalty. And there's a, even more sort of attempts from both sides to, to make things as wretched for the other. They try and make sure that um, the other side give up the most valuable person. Um, it's, it's really quite, quite bitter, this feud, isn't it? Um, and then on the way <laughs> yeah. out, they stop off at this, this village and just sort of down the road. And all the villagers have sort of run off into this holdfast, which is like a mini castle, um, because obviously they were every time an army's come through in the past, there's been pillaging, and they don't want to be a part of that again. And and Jamie is sort of like, yeah, just leave them in there; they're not doing any harm. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I, I quite liked the um, the sort of matter-of-fact, take-no-shit manner in which they answer him from inside this holdfast, because they've got this one building in the town that's got thick enough walls yeah. to keep them all safe. So he will sort of run inside there. <laughs> and Jamie comes up and goes, do you want to come out and give me some food? And they go, 
No, no, <laughs> fucking no. Not you, not the last bloke, not the bloke before, not the nine kings before that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Just yeah. fuck off. He basically says, come here some food. And they respond with, we're not falling for that one again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might have noticed food has become somewhat scarce around here due to the devastating conflict of which you are a combatant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... This chapter is just about to end when we get quite the twist as Brienne, three times killed, if you remember, um, turns up on a horse and says she's found the Stark girl. Come with me. She's been caught by the hound. What's going on, Dave? Well, quite. (laughs) What is going on, Matt? And who can say? She, I already thought she's been dead three times. I honestly did. I thought that the hound's been dead at least twice. I've already had not one, but two decoy Stark daughters. <laughs> at this point, at, at this point, it's like some sort of weird attempt to place into a fantasy narrative context the idea that nothing really means anything. This very existentialist <laughs> philosophy of that. Maybe, maybe if we say she's Arya Stark, she is Arya Stark. Hey. Eh? Hmm? You don't know. You don't know. All the words are meaningless. The author is dead. Jacques Derrida dancing across <laughs> Westeros, spraying learned papers left and right. Fucking hell. Just, why? Why have you, George, why have you done yeah. this? I think. What? <laughs> to what end? Yeah, so this is obviously post end of Feast for Crows now. So, and, and when we yeah. last. Is this the moment where we kind of see it? Like, or maybe it's the Jamie, yeah, the start of the Jamie chapter, right? Like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So when we last left Brienne, she had a noose around her neck and basically the box was being kicked away. And then she called out yeah. a word. Yeah, which you came up with. I mean, and I think this is generally, people think this anyway. You said she thinks it's sword, as in she made a choice, as I'm going to betray Jamie. So this, which sets up a bit of danger here. Um, it's funny because I thought yeah. when that, happened she was just shouting his name as she died so when she turned up here the first time already i was like is she sort of caitlin zombie style now or yeah well i mean and could very well be as well because we don't get very much description well, of it. yeah and the little description you do get is that she looks really sunken and sort of disheveled which she would be from all this time on the road anyway but I don't know, this just mm. again brought round the problem with bringing people back from the dead in an otherwise, like, when you're dead, you're dead kind of world, that it, it suddenly erodes that sense of the stakes and what you understand. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, very, very much. But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited, having put a lot of time into Brienne before, like, you know, I could, I yeah. could get alongside having some more Brienne storyline, but... You know, I mean, well, what do we think has happened here then? Is it like, so she was she was there and Lady Stoneheart was there and was all ready to be like, you kill, you're responsible for the death of whoever. And because Brienne is too honourable, she's now made, you know, promises to support both sides of a conflict yeah. sort of thing. So she either died and came back and as, as some sort of servant of Stoneheart and the Red God and is just sort of knocking around. Or what, like, she... She's a sort of hired sword, mm-hmm. and why does she need to go and get? Oh no, I know why. She's gone to she's gone to go and get Jamie so that she can lure him into a trap and he gets killed. Yeah, right? that's that's the only 
I can't think of any other ways to look at this. The only other way would have to be some kind of weird, she managed to delay um, her death by saying, I'm going to get him, and then cut her way out and got away, or has said she's going to betray him, but he's going to change her mind. Um, but mm. but she, I mean, up until point of death in the last chapter, she wouldn't give up mm. these sort of vows that she takes. So it's hard to see her being a turn cloak now. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I, but she doesn't really have a choice, does she? You know, she's she's going to be a turn cloak one way or another because she's wearing yeah. two cloaks. So that's that's the end of that chapter, and mm. I'm pretty sure that's the end of all Jamie chapters as well until we come back for Winds of Winter. Yeah, in the I book. Fuck right <laughs> off! You can't do that. You can't. You cannot do that. You can't have all of his chapters in one book, leave a six-year gap, put one of his chapters in the subsequent book, have an ambiguous ending to it, and then leave it for another. How long's it been? Four years. <laughs> you can Fuck do him, what he wants. Matt. Honestly, you can do what he wants, Dave. <laughs> George Martin. He does what he wants. <laughs> he writes what he wants. He writes. What he wants. <laughs> George R. R. Martin. Big fat George Martin. He writes what he wants. Moving on to John. Um, there's a wedding going on. Who's it between? You're going to have to wait three and a half pages to find out. <laughs> I was definitely like, is John getting married here? Is, is, as shit got real. Or or has his relationship with Satin turned out to uh, unearth some otherwise deep buried feelings in him? And is he just like, I just, I wish I knew how to quit you. And they're going to, you know, the, the wall turns out to be a place for very progressive policy. Yeah, yeah. The first place to legalise gay marriage is the wall. Is the wall. <laughs> a lot of guys together. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was going to happen, wasn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, there is a wedding. It, it's luxuriously... Um, there's a there's a luxurious amount of time taken before we can find out who it is between. Um, it's actually Alice Carstark, this girl who's turned up, and the Magna of Thens. Um, mm. He's doing a bit of a... <laughs> he's, John's continuing his Let's Troll the Night's Watch uh, as Lord Commander <laughs> routine by marrying a Stark girl to... Uh, by marrying a, who's someone who's almost a Stark to one of the wildlings. <laughs> I, yeah. I do love this and you're absolutely right it is completely trolling at this point it's just like I don't think I'm going to last very long anyway fuck the lot he is ha lol yeah I mean I think there's a political reason just no he did it for the lols Matt yeah just just the lols that's all it was yeah I mean he's, he's thinking the mag. he, he describes the, the thens as the, the ones who are Slightly more like the Southerners, they they used to sort of taking orders. Basically, they know how to kneel. He says, um, so that's why he thinks they're they're the the best candidates for a marriage. Um, the it's the first time we've seen a wedding um, laid on by the Red God and Melisandre, and it involves jumping into a pit of fire, but like not into the fire, obviously. But I thought that was quite a cool part of the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Kind of jumping into next to the fire, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stannis's fate remains unknown here. And in the meantime, um, it was quite funny because Alice Carstark came up, didn't she, with this warning about the, the, the treason against Stannis. And so John mm-hmm. sent out sort of messengers to, to warn him, along with that guy from the Iron Bank who's, who's headed off to try and find Stannis as well. Um, in the meantime, 
one of the sort of other cast arcs has turned up to try and take Alice back and um, he's been stuck in the ice cells. <laughs> he's just arrested him and said, right, you're staying with me. So There is something quite pleasing about John's sudden embrace of reckless, sweeping uh, <laughs> actions in this, isn't it? It's like, right, she's going to get married to him. Shut up. Shut up. She's going to get married to him. Him, he's going in an icy cell. Don't care who he's related to. Carl Watt, Carl Stark, don't care. Ice cells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big, massive, reckless political action. It's fantastic. Yeah, and he's he's, he's sitting there looking at it, he's thinking, this is really difficult because I can't kill him because, you know, why would I be do- I, I've not really got the authority to. At the same time, mm. I can't release him because he's just going to cause trouble. And I can't keep him in this chilly ice cell, which, by the way, is right up there with the those cells at the Erie as worst place mm. to be incarcerated in Westeros, which is a <laughs> difficult one to win. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's very true. That is a crowded field. <laughs> I'd love it if uh, they had an awards ceremony for that. And the award for worst place to be incarcerated in Westeros... It's the black cells again. <laughs> Kyber gets up, flicks the peace <laughs> signs. <laughs> All the other people turn around in their seats and start applauding, so they don't look like they're sore losers. Oh, well done, well, well done indeed. Well, well, very well yeah. done. Very good. That guy with the gold teeth from the Eries clapping away. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, Maud just sitting there. Oh, Maud lose. Oh, Maud, Maud must curate future image. Well, oh, oh, well done. Maud no sore loser. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yeah, he's got him stuck in the ice cells. He doesn't know what to do with him. And Melisandra's still giving out these warnings to John about danger surrounding him and knives in the dark. And John's less frightened now after Melisandra's dropped the ball with Arya Starks on her way. <laughs> make sure you're ready to meet her. Uh, called it, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely called it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 Melisandre's front as well in dealing with this, where he's like, got that wrong, didn't you? And she just says, I'm only human. <laughs> I'm like, yes, but you spend literally all of your working life pretending to be more than human, don't you? <laughs> with your magic flames up your sleeves and glowy red necklaces and we call on the red god to save us again. Woo, red god, woo. Also, I might be quite powerful, woo. Yeah. And then, and then, whenever it goes wrong, she's just like, "Ah, the will of the gods." <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there are a few more things to pick out from this chapter. One, there's this tale about the um, the mountain clans, which we we touched on last week uh, when mm. they were talking about how some of the older guys in Stannis's army who joined from the mountain clans are saying, "Oh, we're going to die soon anyway because winter's coming in, so we'd rather die killing." you know, members of the Boltons. Um, it turns out that kind of is what happens in the in the mountains. Mm. So that the younger people go off to nearby castles to survive and sort of work for a living until the winter's mm. over. And the older guys literally just sort of wander off and don't come back. Yeah. Which is I mean, what a what an environment, you know? Yeah, I mean absolutely. It's yeah, you just I mean, it's not surprising at this point that, that, you know, this world contains things which are, like, astonishingly harsh. Mm. But, yeah, amazing. Uh, Cotter Pike 
uh, over at Eastwatch is now setting out to hard home to go get those uh, those refugee wildlings. Um, and it, is on the way. <laughs> and we know that because he sends back the sulkiest letter <laughs> ever written by a major military commander in the history of sulky military letters. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, just isn't there just at one point in the letter where he just kind of describes what he's done and then gone, basically goes, your fault if it goes wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty clear that he doesn't think this is a particularly good idea, isn't it, Cotterby? Yeah, <laughs> and he's not, not a guy, keen. He's not a guy to sort of pretend that he's happy when when he's not happy with something. Although, give him his credit, he's not outright refused. He's doing it. He just thinks that he's that is true. That is true. Although, like, he has kind of basically made sure that if he dies, then a rebellion against John will be all ready to go. Yeah. Because he's he's left in charge at at, um, at Eastwatch. He's left in charge this guy who's basically like Alistair Thorne's best mate. Yeah, and even even got alongside. Um, uh, oh, what was the name of that knobhead that he killed? Janos Slint. Janos Slint. There we go. Yeah. So he's he's sort of very much from that sort of wing of the party, if you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so yeah, like it's all going to kick off, isn't it? If um, if Cotter Pike doesn't survive. Yeah, and what odds would you put on him surviving at this point? By the way, well, he's a tough guy, and he's you know they're just a lot of wildling homeless people. I, I back him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, definitely nothing else going on in the north that might cause somebody to die horribly. Eh? <laughs> well, we'll see. But um, I mean, <laughs> I, I would I would say if anyone's coming back, um, I'll put my money on Cotter Pike because he's uh, All right. he's, he's a badass. He is a badass. Also, there's this subplot which I haven't really mentioned yet because it just kind of, I'm not sure it's going to go anywhere. But Axel Florence, uh, sort of one of the top guys for the for the Queen, for Queen Cells, is uh, mm. is constantly trying to get John to set him up with Val, um, who would literally whip his balls off before he knew what was happening but you'd love to see it wouldn't you yeah i mean it would ruin john's plans and you don't want to see john's plans ruins because you like john so fine fair enough but actually there is something to be said for setting up what what to um to this guy would be a blind date with the opportunity for a little something something and to val would be lunch (laughs) not not being served food no 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 just eating him alive (laughs) Yeah, and this discussion that is becoming tiresome to John, and to be honest, is a little tiresome to me, um, is, <laughs> it, it, is interrupted by two horns from the wall, uh, wildlings arriving, and John immediately thinks it's Tormund. He's finally no. arrived. Well, it's interesting, this, isn't it? Is It doesn't mean what it used to mean, because now the wildlings are kind of all right. Um, yeah. Or they, they're kind of, they're just sort of hanging out. Um, whereas it used to be kind of like, one horn, everything's fine. Two horns, get your swords. Three horns, the world's going to end. Now <laughs> yeah. it's more like, one horn, a miracle has occurred, and our rangers have actually survived at ranging. Two horns, I don't know, should we let them through? Somebody call Snow. <laughs> and three horns, the world is definitely ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, just there's that, pregnant, all there's that sort of pregnant pause, isn't there, after the second horn? Where they're like, <laughs> yeah. are we, are we going to be alive I tomorrow? Bet- You've got to be really careful to choose the guy who's got to stand on top of the wall, right, <laughs> to, to, to blow that horn. Because um, 
first of all, you need him to have extremely good eyesight, so he's definitely going to get it right. Yeah. Second of all, you need him to have very good lung capacity, so he doesn't just run out of breath <laughs> after the first blow of the horse. He just blows it once, and he's like, <sighs> "Hang on." <coughs> is it? Is it wild? It's wildlings. Yeah, I'll do it again. <laughs> and, but, but even worse than that, the third thing you need is to make sure that he hasn't isn't possessed of a sort of sick sense of humour where he just blows it three times for shits and giggles and then just goes, no, 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 I was just repeating myself. I wanted to make sure you understood. No, it's once, <laughs> once, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just <laughs> rangers, don't worry about it. What? What are you looking at me like that for? What? It's just it rangers. I was very, I even repeated myself three times. <laughs> I'd imagine if he did that, a reproachful look would be the least of his problems. <laughs> 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 I'd imagine they take quite a hard line in there, not blowing the right number of uh, blows on the hole. <laughs> That's completely true. You know it's happened though, don't you? Because you get all sorts wash up at the wall. And there will have been some Jack the Lad turn up and be like, oh, this is a bit boring, this isn't it? Tell you what I'm going to do. Now then, sports fans. <laughs> so, grabs the hole. So, so what it is, is one is Rangers returning Two is wildlings arriving. Three is white walkers are here. And four is someone's just fucking around. (laughs) (laughs) So you blow it once and you get it wrong. You've got to blow three more times just to make sure that you've got... (laughs) Four four is James the Pranksters at it again. That's that's completely true. Four is the watch isn't what it used to be. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next up is a chapter about Daenerys. The peace is being signed. It looks like we're not going to have a massive siege and and war after all. Um, Or a massive battle after all. Um, That's disappointing. Yeah, they've they've knocked their heads together and knocked out a piece. Hooray. Um, Hmm. Daenerys, as part of the terms, has managed to keep slavery banned inside Marine, but um, not outside. So immediately below her walls, as we saw, sort of a in Tyrion's chapter, there's a slave market, and Daenerys is furious about this. Um, <clears throat> and his style's sort of more pragmatic. He's saying, you know, it's not a bad compromise. It's still. You know, this massive army... If you remember, this massive army came up to to stop Daenerys from banning slavery at all. And mm. she's still, you know, she's still got some of what she wants because in her city, everyone's free. Um, and I think basically his does along the lines of, you know, don't try and change everything at once, one step at a time. What do you think? Allow me to get into a more powerful position. <laughs> you know, careful, slowly, slowly, catchy, dragon queen, and then I'm the king for reals. <laughs> yeah. As part of that, <laughs> um, Dario and the uh, a few others have been sent over to the Yunkai army as hostages. Um, basically to... to <laughs> Good fucking luck with that. Yeah. Eh? To, to make sure that the, the Yunkishmen who've come in get a safe passage to negotiate peace and then leave... Um, and also the shave pate, the sort of fiery, basically like chief of police, has been removed from the Brazen Beast's command. Um, so there's been a few sort of background, but probably important political moves going on around there as well. Um, one of the people who've turned up to sign this piece is, of course, Brown Ben Plum, as one of the commanders. And they have this chat with... Um, 
there's this chat with Daenerys where he basically says, you know, it was just business. And Daenerys is like, <laughs> and then, Daenerys is like, yeah. And then walks away and immediately says to Sir Barristan, how can we get him killed? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true, isn't it? It's just like, you know, Hawk's going to hunt. Brown Ben Plum going to screw people over. Brown Ben Plum got a brown Ben Plum, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't hate the game, not the player, is what Brian Ben Plum said. <laughs> <laughs> Daenerys isn't, isn't falling for that one. So. She's, she is not a fan of that line. And, to be honest, I'm with her on that one. <laughs> I love that he comes up and he still does his whole kind of like chuckling, twinkly-eyed uncle type as well. Kind of like, oh, well, you know, yeah. that's just the way it is, isn't it? Hey, my darling, hey, my darling, <laughs> hey, little bit of... I'll be off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barristan and Daenerys speak a little bit about... Oh, by the way, Barristan, still alive. Da, 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 da. Anyway. Um, yeah, they, they speak about um, Quentin, our, our sort of hapless, nice guy prince. Hmm. And Daenerys basically says, you know, if we turned up with a massive fleet or a massive army... Or something, you know. <laughs> I might have been able to say kebab yeah. knife, anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe a nice new Chavas set, something, anything, you know, um, other than just a piece of paper, the promise of an alliance. I might have been able to consider it, but it's just, it's never going to work for the lad. And she, she, <laughs> she, she takes Quentin down to see her dragons. Um, mm. If you're going to dump someone, why not dump them in front of two massive dragons? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can't be needing to intimidate him. Maybe she's just trying to give him a bit of a show. <laughs> just sort of like, all right, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to marry you because, come on. But at least you can get to say that you saw my dragons yeah. in their terrifying dragon hole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of get why she does it there because she, she's m- making sure she gets a point across. This is like this is big stuff, and yeah. we can't be doing the. I, I know that sort of the alliances and all that are important over there, but I've got my own problems. I've got these badass dragons that I can't even contain yet. And, yeah. you know, it's best for everybody if you just go back, go back to uh, Sunspear or Dawn and just, you know, I'll be there when I'm ready and, you know, we can do some alliancing and stuff, but that's about as far as it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not even like, Milady, I have travelled the length of the known world in order to be here. He's just like, oh, okay, fair enough. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Yeah, he sort of stands there, he's like, ah, oh, you got a fair point, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I I will go. Yeah. Um, I thought, I there was an interesting little thing about this scene, actually, um, which was... Um, in the TV series with the with the with the dragons and that, it's always been a bit. Whenever she goes back down to this pit, it's kind of like playing on her guilt as a, a mother who feels she's abandoned her children, you know, and that whole strand of her character. And so, whenever you go down, it's all sad music and oh, they're dangerous and oh, you need to be worried and stuff. But here, she seems far more indifferent to them. You know, she just kind of goes down there and goes, "Yeah, them are dragons, them." What up, dragon bitches? And then just kind of lets them do their thing and then leaves again. Like, she doesn't feel the same sense of having betrayed something about herself. Yeah. Um, which I thought was quite interesting and was more interesting, to be honest, than just, you know, playing on this 
I don't know. I wouldn't say Daenerys is kind of one-dimensional in the TV series, but she's definitely this kind of like, oh gosh, what am I to do about all the people who rely on me and indeed the dragons? Uh, I will feel guilty and make subpar decisions is what I will do. Mm. Um, and whereas in this, I don't know, she feels a bit more queenly, a little bit more like she's got her head around some of the some of the difficult difficult truths, you know? Yeah, speaking of difficult truths, she's off back to bed with Hizadar. Um, oh, that's a, that's a difficult truth, and no mistake, isn't it? Yeah, dearie me, it's not the uh, it's not the fiery, smouldering scenes we've seen with uh, with Dario. Put it that way. She ends up uh, mm. sitting up and just talking with Missendi until um, she falls mm. asleep. Um, yeah, but yeah, not going. I mean, despite the peace, still. I mean, she's not in a. Imme- well, I suppose she's kind of in a bit of danger, but um, she's. Sleeping with his Mo, whatever his name is. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call that a safe place to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, at least a whole city's not about to get raised to the ground anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah. Little, Small cloud. victories, eh? Small yeah. victories. Yeah. Uh, back, back with uh, Theon next. Theon, Theon slash Reek slash the artist Bob the- Theon. Theon. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this able plan that's going to be set in motion. I think now's the point where we can we can um talk openly of the fact that this able guy and his washerwomen lady friends, they're basically Mans Raider and the Wildling women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so that's it, it's it's this big undercover mission to to save who they think is Arya Stark, which obviously John had sent them off on earlier on. So uh, at what point? Yeah. At what point did the sort of penny drop for you with that? Was it straight away, or was it as as the as the sort of they've they've gone on wandering around the castle? I'll level with you. It dropped when you just said it. <laughs> right, I okay. tried to style it out. I was going to be like, yeah, 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 obviously, yeah, no problem, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely not. Did not get that at all. I was like, they're acting a bit weird, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's cool. That, that, that's probably exactly what Martin was going for. Is is it a bit of a yeah. so so? It, it's it not an easy. It's not a difficult get, though, is it? Like no. like blindsiding me with pieces of plot that you haven't explicitly laid out. If somebody hasn't said it in so many words in most books, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, was it him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, it, it's it's Manson. He's because we, we've known it before that he's he's quite a talented singer, and um, yeah, he was he was heading out with these with these wildling women. So th- mm. that is, we kind of we always had the impression in the last few chapters that there's something more to them, a bit more than yeah. meets the eye, and yeah. this is where the, the rescue plan is put in motion. Um, yeah. Just before, but it always, it's all for nothing though, isn't it? For all that it's very very dramatic, like whether they get her out or not. Hmm. It's not Arya Stark. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard. It's hard not to see this as a sort of enormous anticlimax waiting to happen, <laughs> and a, yet another attempt for Melisandre to pull a Dave and try and style through it and be like, "No, I knew, <laughs> I knew." But Pool, Pool, good family name. I saw her in my flames as well. She didn't tell you about it. Chose not to. Chose not to. Yeah, yeah. Um, before the the rescue plan begins, uh, Big Walder, one of those twins that used to bully Bran. He's found dead. He's only a, he's only a, a, still only a boy. This he's like a teenager. Yeah. And yeah. it's um, there's obviously real outrage in the hall when he turns up dead. And mm. it's funny because the like 
Theon's watching this with one of the um, one of the wildling women, and the wildling woman says, "This is nothing to do with us. We've been killing the others, but this isn't this isn't us," which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and she's very insistent on that as well, isn't she? I, I, and I, I suppose in retrospect, this is where I should have noticed that perhaps this, you know, there's a very wildling thing to say. It seems to be a very Westerosi thing to be like, yeah, maybe I did kill him, maybe I did. Yeah. You should be scared of me, yeah. hey? Mm? Like a bit more devious. Whereas wildlings are like, no, if I wanted him to be, if I wanted to kill somebody, I would kill them with my knife and in public. Yeah, I wouldn't leave them lying around the place for Hercule Poirot to find. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, little Walder, the, his brother, says, "Oh, um, my brother was um, last seen throwing dice with the Mandalays." To which, like, <laughs> Wyman sort of kicks back, and he's like, and someone accuses him, and he goes, "I confess, I know little of this." <laughs> <laughs> now you want to talk about trolling? That's what's going on here, isn't it? Never mind Jon Snow's questionable management decisions up at the wall. This Mandalay. No fucks given. <laughs> Wyman Mandley has literally no fucks left to give. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, what? <laughs> I'm hugely overweight. I'm probably going to die here anyway because I-, I can't believe you all haven't noticed it. We are all living at the mercy of somebody who doesn't have any mercy. So we're all going to die anyway. Fuck yous. <laughs> yeah, I killed him. What? With dice in his nose. That's where I put him. <laughs> yeah, and not only does he sort of deliberately give the impression that he's about to confess to this and then like, throw it back in the face and laugh at them by saying I know little of him. He follows that up with but you know it. in many ways it's a blessing because if he'd have survived he'd have grown up and become a fray. <laughs> so, right at the moment where everyone's outraged that this kid's been killed he's just ladling <laughs> it on. He's just... Yeah he just can't, can't and I, lo- I do love that he does it as well because he's the only person who is like throwing back in the phrase self like thunderously self-righteous unbelievably hypocritical faces the fact that everybody knows that they are responsible for breaking one of the fundamental laws of their society right yeah you know political expediency or no yeah everybody knows they did something that nobody is ever supposed to do that they don't even do on the fucking iron islands right where their (laughs) idea of child care is giving a kid a sharp knife leaving him out on the beach with no clothes on and coming back in 10 years' time to see how many whales he's killed, right? Even there, they think that what they did at the Red Wedding was beyond the pale. So, like, but nobody's saying it because politics. Mandalay doesn't care. So Mandalay's just like, oh, sorry, was I pretending to have been somehow horrendously violent, inappropriate and disrespectful? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> now, this is, this is the sort of, the straw that breaks the camel's back, though, for the phrase. And one of them, it basically turns into a massive scrap, this, where uh, one of the phrase actually tries to take Mandalay's head off and ends up cutting through three of his four chins. And Mandalay's described as flopping to the floor like a dead walrus, which was quite the description. Yeah, so I was like, he's dead now. And then everybody carries on acting as though he's alive. I thought three of his four chins was just a, a colourful way of reminding us again that he was fat mm. and now he is dead because he's bleeding from the throat, right? Yeah, well, that's what you would assume. But, but yeah, it looks like... It, it, it ends up with six dead mandalays, two dead frays, and um, Roose Bolton having to intervene and basically say, right, let's get out and let's get out and attack Stannis. It's basically a, a desperate move of Roose Bolton's to keep his his army together here, he realises that they need someone else to fight, else they're just going to fight each other. 
And reg- yeah. regardless of the sort of tactics of the situation now, just get out and fight is going to be the only way to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, it looks like it's, it looks like Mandalay's survived just as people are like tending to him and keeping him alive, and everyone's remarkably like, yeah, assumes that he's okay to the point where I think Roose Bolton tells him to go round up his men. It's like Mandalay, you go <laughs> take your men out here, and he's literally on the floor with three of his four chins bleeding. Yeah, and Bolton's idea of leadership is to be like. Well, obviously, you're still the left flank. I don't know what you're lying on the floor for, son. There's no wars going to get one down there. Come on. Yeah. Stick a plaster on it and get out there again. Yeah, Suck that's it up. right, isn't it? Give him a whiskey, get him back out on his horse. But yeah. As if Mandalay was capable of doing that, even if he wasn't bleeding from the throat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is kind of weirdly written, this, but I sort of forgave it just for the fact that he's still alive Mandalay. I was devastated when it looked like he was going to be killed. Um, mm. So he's still kicking just um, despite flopping to the floor like a dead walrus was quite a way to go, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, this bath time switcheroo plan is is taking place. Basically what they're going to do the um, like Abel and, and friends is to uh, Six of these women are going to go up to the to uh, Arya Stark or Jean, Jane Poole's room. One of them's going to switch with her, and then they're going to sneak her out under the walls that way. Um, and it kind of it works well. So, f- like, sort of for mo- for the most part, so they go to the kitchens to get this hot water for to sort of run a bath, basically, and yeah. they manage to get through that. Theon's a little worried because. They're so quiet, the wildling women, and normally like the serving girls are always like bantering with the with the kitchen staff and stuff. <laughs> and they're standing there, like sort of like, come on, come on, nothing to see here. We're in no way suspicious. No, no, leave me be. <laughs> we we then go up towards um, towards J- Jean's room and they climb the staircase. I've christened this staircase Theon's Staircase of Regret because he just sort of wanders up all like miserable thinking about all the things he's done wrong. Um, thinks about all the... He thinks about all the Northmen that he... he, he I think he, this kicks off by he remembers like toy fighting with Rob on these steps and then he thinks about all the other people who used to live in this castle who are now dead many of them because yeah. of him i thought this was really interesting this 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 thing about he continues to revisit the sort of sorrows and and think on his sins basically and i think it's really interesting that doing that seems to be what's bringing him back to being himself yeah and you would think wouldn't you that like if you know you know dwelling on all the stuff you've done wrong would just pile guilt upon guilt but there does seem to be a sense in which he's kind of working through it and kind of trying to, I don't know, maybe almost seek a kind of absolution for it. But mm. he's he's doing something with it. And that's that's a positive change for him. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very, very interesting. Because he's now to the point where he walks out at one point, doesn't he? And somebody goes, Reek, is that you? And he goes, no, it is I, Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're going to get fucking murdered, son. He strikes a heroic pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With two two fingers off on one hand, three fingers off on the <laughs> other hand, a hunchback, no teeth. But he's like, it is I. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is interesting that. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but he, he's almost using these these sad and um, guilt-ridden memories of individual people almost as sort of handholds to sort of pull him, pull himself oh, up. Oh, very um, interesting. Back out of the sort of pit that he's fallen into. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have put it in quite such deliberate terms. I think. I think it's a completely subconscious thing. But I think it's a good example of good character development. You know, mm. that thinking about what he's done wrong. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like he's just sort of. He, he does seem to be pulling himself back to completeness. Yeah. By, by remembering the stuff he's done wrong instead of just being like, hey, it didn't matter. I was the undergraduate. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You know, he's acquiring a conscience basically. Yeah. The the rescue mission uh, reaches Jane's room. Jane's in a real state, sort of cowering in a corner um, with... We don't need to go into this any further, but, I mean, she's had some bad stuff done to her and um, yeah. it involves teeth marks as well, which um, which is the, 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 the description that really made me shudder. Um, yeah. And, but they, yeah, as if we needed more evidence that Ramsey's a wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of my thing, again, with this. It's just, he's, oh, he's just wrong. He's, I don't need you to tell me again how horrendous he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's something about him getting the dog involved as well, isn't there? So, yeah. Oh, it? yeah. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, lines I blanked out from my memory. <laughs> I know, yeah. You can't unread that, can you? That's the worst thing. Yeah, exactly. Is the movie 47 or whatever it was. <laughs> movie 43 of, of book lines, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so they they sneak her out. They they get her sort of uh, dressed as a as a washerwoman, if you like, and sneak her out. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. <laughs> um, as they as she's going to get to the bottom of the stairs, jump into her motor car, and drive off. <laughs> yeah. Boop, boop. As they're making their way out, Theon's thinking of each of these guards that they pass. Few we've got past them, and also yeah. sucks to be you when when uh, when Ramsay finds out that. You've let us go because yeah. Um, yeah, so well developed is his conscience that he even almost feels good, about, feels bad about that. Yeah. I would have expected him to be like, yeah, bollocks to the lot of you individually and in turn. Yeah, yeah, they're basically all all in for a flaying once they once find out what's happened. So that's bad yeah. news. Um, they they manage to kill the guards on the inner gate, but that's where it starts to go wrong because as soon as G, uh, Jane sees a. Uh, sees these guards spouting blood she starts to scream and it's like yeah. oh crap and then it then all hell breaks loose so yeah. freya who's the sort of like the strongest of the of the group she says i'll hold mm. this bridge you get over the wall so the, the others make a run for it um oh the, yeah. I, I mean some of them are split up by this point as well they get to the top of the wall uh there's sort of this I think Freya's still fighting down on the bridge and there there are other soldiers surrounding them. They're about to jump. Yeah. And then Holly, who's the other person who's with him, remembers that Freya's got the rope and it's just a, such a <laughs> such a easy thing to, mistake to make in a panic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as soon as she realises that, Holly gets shot and then Theon and Jean make the decision, why not jump? So they jump off the wall. You get... I was going to say I thought this was better than the series because yeah. they quite he quite sort of quietly earlier on in this chapter sets a precedent for people surviving this jump where they yeah. they throw some guy off the walls for sort of insubordination or speaking out of turn and he's is later seen crawling away he's like broke his leg but he's still alive but he's going to die yeah. soon anyway 
So yeah. when they jump, it's not this immediate, well, they can't possibly survive it. Yeah. So yeah, encouraging. Yeah, I, I, and he also does a better job, I think, of bringing them to a point of like, you've got no choice, both because they're being chased and because they've left people behind them. Um, and also because he's just started to retake part of this Theon identity and he knows that he's going to get taken to pieces if he stays. Yeah. So they're really both at this point where they've got to jump. Um, the the place where I think this is perhaps weaker than the TV series, or at least less direct, is that Gene Poole isn't a major character and isn't going to become one. Mm. So it's a bit like, so why have you got to jump with her? We all know that, you know, you're not going to walk her all the way up to the wall. It's bloody miles away. Mm. You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, the the plan is to get to get them to, to get to Stannis, isn't it? They're saying Stannis's arm yeah. is sort of just literally around the corner. So if we can make it yeah. that far, we'll be safe. Yeah, but I mean they're they're running out to fight, you know? Mm. They're like you know, there's gonna be the war's gonna start. They're gonna be <laughs> they're gonna just look like a, an incredibly poorly equipped and over enthusiastic front guard for the <laughs> army, aren't they? It's like why are they coming at us leading with a guy with not as many fingers as he should have, who quite frankly could do with a steak, and a girl wrapped up very badly in furs. Is this some new strategy that I don't understand? And they, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it's not the best time to be uh, to be approaching that army, is it? Just as they're about to fight. <laughs> right, they're hardly going to be like, "Oh, is it you? Is it? Oh, great, <laughs> come in." Yeah. Uh, final chapter for today is Daenerys. Um, Another Daenerys. Yes, it's fighting pit day. It's time to reopen the pits. And uh, here we go. Here we go. Um, it's the, here we, here we it, go, yo. It's the events that um, Marine's been crying out for for months now. And uh, yeah. Daenerys is going to give it to them. Um, she's she's taken a bit of a gamble here early on by letting the uh, a couple of the brazen beasts guard her, which are these... If you remember what the brazen beasts are, they're basically the police force that go around with masks on because they're so worried about Sons of the Harpy killing them for, for serving. And Barristan's like, you don't know who's behind those masks. And Daenerys mm. is along the lines of, if I don't trust them, why should anybody else? So, yeah. you know, I need to give them legitimacy by, by letting them guard me. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, she's she's so similar to John in the um, in her situation at the moment, isn't she? That she's just having to gamble. Every almost every decision has to be a gamble. There's no safe route, really. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly stark, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and it's nasty scenes as well. Mm. Um, it's it's a, it's a good sort of it's a good trudge through the sort of wages of compromise. You know. Daenerys has been put in this situation where she's had to, you know, compromise on her principles left, right, and centre, and now she's almost required to roll around in the shit of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now this this whole chapter is uh, I felt a real sense of tension, partly from the TV series because um, you sort of yeah. it gives you a, a head start here, and partly just from the way it's written that it's just tense and, th- and you keep thinking things might go wrong or something might mm. happen. Or there might be an ambush or something, and and it doesn't, and uh, and it sort of, and, and then the tension increases again and again. Um, there's this bit where they're going down down the streets, and there's a broken down cart which makes them all stop. And yeah. <clears throat> Sir Barristan, who's clearly seen Harrison Ford in clear and present danger, is immediately suspicious, <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking around <laughs> for the ambush. And <laughs> that's completely true, isn't it? I can't, how do they not get Harrison Ford to play this role? 
Yeah. Uh, but but it, in the end, it's nothing. You know, the uh, the the cart moves off and they carry on. And it's actually even a little victory for Daenerys because Hisdar says, you know, um, Daenerys is thinking, you know, after all this, after my, my city's free, but you've still got these these people who are effectively slaves pulling along these carts. But Hisdar says, you know, back in the day that... Um, if that guy was a slave, it'd have been whipped until he got on his feet again. And now he gets given water to recover, and he gets paid at the end of the day. So could be worse. Mm. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. You know, I suppose is is a fair point. <laughs> Hard to argue against that, <clears throat> isn't it? Yeah. So they get to the arena, and it's uh, you know it's all excitement and roaring crowds and snacks to eat during the fight. You got your popcorn. You got your hot dogs. You got your unborn puppies on sticks. What? 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> unborn puppy and, on a stick. <laughs> well, do, do you know what though? The the second after I read that, I was like, I actually understood where he got that from as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, I live in Cambodia, and um, in Cambodia and across the across the sort of Southeast Asia and East Asia, it's not unusual at all for people to buy duck eggs that have duck embryos inside them, and that's what makes them delicious, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you ever seen this or heard of this? Yeah, it was actually on um, the Around the World with Cal Pilkington. <laughs> <laughs> he, he bumps oh, into that. His expression is hilarious when he sees a guy eating Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. I'll tell you, though, I, I have lived in Asia for longer than Carl Pilkington has, and I had a similar response. I'm just like, you can't, what? Yeah. But it it is completely undeniable that that exists within the span of things which people consider it normal to eat, as does, of course, dog meat in this part of the world. Mm. So it's, yeah, so actually the, I read that first and I was like, fucking, ugh, is that some sort of horrible hot dog joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, 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 actually, no, no, that has some, you know. Wow. Precedent. So that's a delicacy around here anyway. she She doesn't eat any of that. Um, she's also offered these honeyed locusts, which have been rolled in, like, a, well, apparently they've been rolled in chili and then honey, so they're sort of sweet and hot. And um, they might have yeah. also been rolled in something else because, <laughs> as we find out later, as uh, as Strong Bellus eats basically the whole bowl and then ends up <laughs> extremely ill. <laughs> so. I do love it that he's just like sort of walks in because he's supposed to be a kind of retainer, isn't he? He's supposed to be security. He's supposed to be there, <laughs> yeah. looking fucking badass. But he walks in and goes, "Is that locust? Is it brilliant?" And it's as if it's, I had this image of him sort of walking into one of the corporate suites at Wembley or something, and they've laid on the ridiculous prawn sandwich spread, yeah. and then and then just somebody who's supposed to be there as like kind of you know um, like Roman Abramovich is private security or something just goes I love sausage rolls <laughs> and just goes and just can't stop chowing down on these sausage rolls <laughs> yeah um, just sort of when the locusts appear uh, Hisdar is like ooh Daenerys you must try these delicious locusts uh, what do you think is he is he oh. trying to, is he trying to get her killed or is it a little too on the nose this is it is it like are uh, we trying to be made well there's to nothing that? about him in the past which has indicated that he's anything other than a man who thinks he's subtle mm. um and it, yeah you know it's been my theory for for ages that he's um that he's 
fairly nakedly saying, I can stop the war in this city. And he even says it in this this chapter, doesn't he? He's like, kind of, oh, you don't have to worry about the Sons of the Harpy anymore because I've married you. Mm. And that's very, very close to saying, because they worked for me all along. Yeah. Um, and so I'm fairly certain he's trying to get killed. I, once again, because it was an implication rather than a bold, flat statement of fact, I completely missed this. But that's why I like doing this podcast with you, because you get all of the little the subtleties and the diplomacy and the rest of it. <laughs> I wonder um, whether it's not worth, in terms of motivation, though, whether it's not worth his star just keeping her alive anyway and just trying to sideline her. Because... The whole point, um, okay, yeah, the, the the benefit for her is that he stops the sons of the harpy from acting up, but also the benefit for him is he gets to become king and get all of her side on side with him as well. Uh, they, you know, the brazen beasts have got to do what he says now. Uh, they've got yeah. rid of the shave pet who hated him. So uh, it's it seems to me it's a big risk for him if, if he gets her assassinated. It, m- it makes much more sense to keep her there and just... Um, Keep because he because he's constantly working on it, isn't he? Saying you know, oh look at yeah. this victory you've made here, and you know things aren't so bad for the slaves anymore because they get this and that, and it just seems it seems a little reckless to try and get her killed now. Um, That's true. Maybe are they are they poisoned but not for killing? Were they just supposed to get her out of the way? Yeah, maybe he didn't even. Uh, it, it could be. I mean, he does say, "Hey, why not try these?" Um, and it could and it, and it looks like an obvious signpost that he's trying to get her killed, but. I suppose it's possible that he genuinely, they are some kind of delicacy and he's just trying to get a, you know, in a good books by saying, ooh, look yeah. at the, because his whole point here is trying to say, is trying to say, because he's been so against this for so long, you know, the fighting pits, they're not as bad as you think. Look, it's a great, it's a great occasion and everyone's really loves you for it and try these fantastic, this great food, you got everything from dead Puppy embryos to <laughs> locust <laughs> rolled in poison. You <laughs> must have the local lie. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's all part of his sort of charm offensive. Um, so I, I, I wasn't 100% convinced, even here, that he was trying to get her killed. But, I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, so we sit down to watch some of these fights anyway. Uh, Kraz, one of the big, big ticket, big name fighters... Uh, kills generic spearman number one, um, <laughs> <laughs> and his red shirt. <laughs> yeah, the spotted cat uh, kills big generic fighter number three. Um, it just feels like these are the lower. They, they really do feel like lower card battles here, don't they? Only that people are dying yeah. for them, um, which yeah. is worth remembering. Um, there's this 16 year old prospect. This guy who looks like he's going to go on to great things, but he has long blonde hair and ends up getting killed because someone grabs. Grabs his hair and um, sort of basically guts him, which is pretty yeah. good. Apparently, the sixteen is the youngest you can be to fight in these now, which is a law Daenerys has brought him. <laughs> wow! <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I just there's just something really pleasing about kind of like putting a fifty sixteen certificate on the fights. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're not coming in if you're not old. If you, uh, is your dad with you? Oh, all right, go on then. Yeah, there are various animal fights that they have. Um, and they say that when these, when the animals die, they get butchered and and fed to the, fed to the sort of poor, which is another thing that yeah. Daenerys has suggested. 
which yeah. is quite good. Uh, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd very good. I'd, I do like the way she kind of jumps on it, like a primary school teacher desperate for something to give affirmation for. Yeah. You know, sort of like, oh, are you doing it? Great. Carry on. No, very well done. Yes, good, good. Work. Good, 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 good. Well done indeed. Yeah. Nice. Um, just kind of like effusive praise for the thing. But um, I, I scan read this. I was reading it quite quickly. And so for the first bit, I think it says a lot about the sort of world that George Martin's created here. That I scan read it, and it wasn't clear to me that they were just talking about the animal meat. Right. I thought they were talking about the human meat as well. Oh, and for gosh. a second, I was like, well, I thought I had that in my brain. And then I was like, I almost didn't stop to reread it because I was like, yeah, that sounds George Martin. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go back and, oh, no, he hasn't done that. Oh, they do all agree that that's horrifying. Because, yeah. you know, the sort of difference between what's considered fine and what's considered really, really bad is not you know clear often yeah um then it's then it's Tyrion and penny's turn they come out these two dwarves doing their sort of comedy fight routine and daenerys is like yeah this is pretty good and sort of his darlene's over is like just wait till we release the lions and she's like what I had I, I I entertained hope for just a second, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, and this I mean Daenerys saves Tyrion and um Penny here by saying flatly, no, you're not doing that. You're not going to you're not going to kill these dwarves uh, who have no say. Basically because one of her conditions for opening the fighting pits is you're only there if you know what's going to happen and you want to be there. Um which as we've mm. spoken about before is is a shaky rule anyway, because just how much choice do some of these people have, regardless of whether they're slaves or not? Um, mm. But also, like she's saying, and this is a this is a clear line crossed because these dwarves have no idea that they're about to get ripped apart by lions. So yeah. she stops it. But in terms of, it's a principled stand that she takes because she's principled, but she doesn't need to take. And it just seems it, I find it so interesting that it's on such a whim that one of the key characters for four or five books survives. Because if Daenerys doesn't say this and thinks, well, that's just another thing I've got to accept, then Tyrion, yeah. Tyrion's finished. Yeah. And he doesn't even know yeah, it either. And, yeah, exactly. And I, for me, this was a little a weird sort of balance of things where I was like, oh, he's bringing them together. How interesting. Um, and, you know, and in the TV series, they meet at this point and they haven't met in this scene mm. um so it was more of that kind of you know ships that pass in the night sort of thing which is quite i find quite entertaining mm. yeah um but uh the the sort of the flip side of that was george you're not going to kill him you're definitely not going to kill him when it's not his pov character thing are you you're not gonna good thank you <laughs> like, it's yeah. just i have no trust whatsoever now yeah and yeah. um, i suppose that's kind of a good thing the fact that he's so ruthless that he that he's genuine because reading a lot of other books like this were this, there wouldn't be as much tension because you think, well, there's no way that Tyrion's going out like this. Well, yeah. I say you think, you know what? He genuinely could have it in him to do this and <laughs> just completely kill him off in, a, as you say, when he's not even a first person. Um, yeah. You know, luckily, it doesn't happen. Yeah. The next act is uh, the next fight is uh, a fighter called Bresner or Bezner um, against a boar, and she she loses this fighter. The boar basically rips her open and starts rooting out her entrails, 
and that's the moment where Daenerys is like, I'm out. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you guys. Yeah. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> Rooting out entrails is where I draw the line. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it is the most, I think it might be the most disgusting thing I've read in, um, like one of the most in this series. The thought of a sort mm. of a boar, like getting its nose in someone's stomach and rooting out entrails. Oh, God, oh, it's so horrible, disgusting. Horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's had enough. She's going to go. And at that moment, Strong Belwas is starting to really get sick now. Yeah. Um, his dad's saying, you don't want to go yet. You're going to miss the six old women fight, which is uh, on the way. <laughs> Pension oh, especially. thanks for telling me. Let me get the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then suddenly Drogon arrives, arrives. The dragon, which has been out for so long, is flying around, running amok, decides to come and have a, have a sort of have a look at what's going on down in the fighting pits. He uh, he toasts Bresner and the boar and just sort of flies down and starts chowing down there. And there's this guy, there's this have-a-go hero, this bloke with a spear who thinks, this is my time, this is it. <laughs> Gets a spear and advances on, on the dragon. And, of course, it doesn't end well, and now all hell really does break loose. What do you think about this yeah. intervention? Well, okay, on the one hand, it has been artfully set up by reintroducing us to the dragons before and dropping in the crucial plot point that dragon riders only ever ride a single dragon. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that that, uh, Danny's going to have to be very careful here about who she tries to, which dragon she decides to ride if she ever does sort of thing. Mm. Um, But um, shit kicks off in a quite, brilliantly sketched sort of a way and i thought it was really interesting how you see her like focus in with almost like laser precision on something that she really cares about Mm. um instead of the kind of endless political back and forth in a city she feels like she shouldn't even really be trying to rule Mm. um marrying people she doesn't care about watching fights she finds repugnant and then all of a sudden this dragon lands and she's like I've got to be next to that dragon. Yeah. Um, quite apart from the fact that the thing's been attacked by the the, the best have-a-go hero you ever saw. <laughs> I bet he's half-cut, this bloke. He must be hammered. Just yeah. like, I'm going to get that fucking thing. <laughs> Runs out with a spear. Lucky he had a spear and not like a fork or something. He just went at it. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, like, fantastic drama here. Yeah. Like, really, really, really good stuff where you see Daenerys sort of almost shaking off all the other stuff that she doesn't, that, that isn't her in favour of the stuff that really is her, which is, somewhat troublingly, riding dragons. Yeah. I I really liked it, but I also was struck by this sort of a surreal, sort of WWF-style, WWE-style moment where, like, there's a fight going on and it's like the moment yeah. where you're like, the Undertaker turns up and like all the lights go <laughs> bong. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> bong. What's he doing? <laughs> and comes the dragon. <laughs> and the crowd's going, oh, come on. <laughs> that's, well, well, that's better than what I thought it was. Because the other thing I thought, that if it wasn't so cool and if it didn't tie back in so well to Daenerys' character and the story and the rest of it, I'd be like, this is the most deus ex machina thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then a dragon appeared. <laughs> it's even worse than exit pursued by a bear, isn't it? It's like, what the- <laughs> dragon descended from the fucking sky. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can kind, I can kind of forgive that for thinking, well, 
you know, dragons do like a bit of fresh meat, and if suddenly there's all this sort of killing going on, it'll turn up and be like, hmm. But having said that, there's been a lot of other people dying around with this plague, haven't there, recently? Um, mm. But yeah, anyway, yeah, he turns up, runs amok, kills kills um, Have A Go Hero. I, I assume this guy was going to be generic spearman number six or something in some battle anyway, so we thought, I may, if I'm going to go down, I may as, go, may as well go down in a, in a way that will get me a, a name check in the book. So uh, he's yeah, done. Yeah. Um, the, the, Daenerys goes along and um, she tries to sort of, she basically does some dragon taming, doesn't she? She gets a whip and she starts um, trying to bring Drogon to heal. Uh, oh. Man, this is... Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's on a knife edge, this, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah, it's not like as soon as the dragon sees her, he's like, oh, hey, mom, what's going on? And like, he, no, he's pissed and he's sort of she's just any other human it seems at the start doesn't she and yeah. she somehow brings him round I think he breathes fire either at her or close to her um, yeah and she doesn't burn yeah and then he's like oh it's you is it sorry yeah <laughs> yeah so she basically gets engulfed in flames and then she's still like alive and that's what sort of kind of as much as anything brings him round she jumps on his back and is like Drogon away uh, and before she knows it she's flying above She's flying above Marine. Yeah. What about that? Great. I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the interesting thing about the end of this. First of all, I love that actually she's doing something with the fucking dragons because it has been two books, <laughs> is it? Several thousand pages since she went, I've got a weapon that could win me the entire world. Better put those in a hole in the ground. Mm. <laughs> Instead of doing something useful with them. Um so it's the Return of the Dragons, which is pretty great. But I tell you, the other interesting thing is the 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 way that the way that her internal monologue goes right at the end of the chapter is completely sexual. Like it's exactly the same way she's expressed herself while she's having sex. And George has been very clear to give us loads of scenes of that. Hmm. Obviously, right. So I thought it was very interesting that she's had this thing where she, you know, she remembers like this kind of incredibly intense, passionate sexual relationship with Cal Drogo, and then she has this like what can only ever be a fling with Dario Naharis. And then she goes to bed with this guy that she's been obliged by politics to marry, who's just like, eh, whatever. Mm. Um, and it's it's a very interesting sort of parallel in, in, in discovering something that's as deeply a part of herself as her sexuality is. And, um, and kind of understanding the depth of that and experiencing it. I thought it was a very interesting sort of moment in her development as a character, because I bet you a million she's not going back to being married to this bloke with the same kind of weary resignation as she had before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wonder if she's coming back at all. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was going that way, and then I thought I'd better hedge my bets, because yeah. then the next chapter she turns up and she's doing the same stuff as usual, which is not unheard of yeah. in a George Martin novel, and I'd look like a proper Charlie. But... <laughs> But I'd love it if she just flew off and she was just like, laters, losers, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just programs in the sat nav on his back to King's Landing. He's like, right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, right, time to get started then, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, hopefully we'll find out um, where she's heading, or if she's heading anywhere at all, at the next, uh, the next part. So for next week, we're reading from this next chapter, which is about John, which begins, he was not a tall man. Um, as far as another chapter about John, roughly page mm. seven six nine for me, and it begins the that night he dreamed of wildlings. I wonder if he was dreaming of one wildling in particular, but anyway. 
Um, one deceased wildling, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Never let it be said that we let the subtext go unspoken. Yeah. Um, so if you've got any thoughts on the book or on the podcast, as ever, send them into sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at sharkliveroil. And uh, just a little aside, apologies if uh, if you have you've had a bit of an interruption towards the end of last month with with us. Um, we're still at the stage where we have a bandwidth limit, which we keep hitting. So um, if you want to download your Shortly Royal, get it in early because when you get to the end of the month, <laughs> we tend to struggle. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we're uh, we're working on a solution for that right now. Apologies. Yeah, should be uh, sometime in the next month. We hope. Yeah, um, but yeah. Having said that, if you've any, anything else to say about this week, Dave? Uh, no, I, you were absolutely right when you said that it was a, a big bag full of good chapters. Um, and I think, yeah. I don't want to speak too soon, but I kind of hope we're due for a few more of these because there's been a lot of, he's very painstakingly worked up certain narrative mm. threads over a very, very long time. And I would be interested to see some of those begin to progress out of the kind of status quo they've been slumped in for a while. But... Um, who can say? There's t- still two novels left to come, so I don't know where we'll end up by the end of them. <laughs> well, until next time, then enjoy the rest of the, enjoy the uh, the next part of the book. We've still got a good four parts still to do. Yeah. So, uh, and then we'll probably have a bonus fifth one where we talk about some fan theories as well. Yes. Looking forward oh, yeah. to that. And then, and then you're caught up. You're all. I'm caught, caught up. up. I'm I'm free forever. Mm. Well, until the new book comes out, or the new series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There <laughs> we go. It is. Okay, well, till the next time, and hope you enjoyed it. Till then. <laughs>